Welcome to Larry, Ameri- Larry Reedy's America podcast. Uh, today, our guest is Todd Schutte. He is the fire chief of Batesville, Indiana Fire Department. Uh, Todd, welcome to my podcast. Well, thank you. Okay. Uh, Todd, where were you born, grade school, high school? I was born right here in Batesville. Okay. I, I went to St. Louis for first through fifth grade and then went to middle school and through high school and then uh, after high school I joined the army I was in the army for four years what uh, what what was your MOS I was a 62 echo uh, heavy equipment operator okay okay so when you were in grade school and high school did you have any thoughts of what you wanted to do with the rest of your life um not really. I yeah. mean, I, I think every kid is that way. And yeah. That's that's my biggest thing with kids nowadays. Everybody thinks they have to go to college. And yeah. there's there's so much other things out there than, and you don't need a college degree. Yeah. I, I didn't go. So, I didn't have the yeah. opportunity to go. And, uh, so uh, when you, did you join right after high oh, yeah. school? I, I went in the delayed entry program. So I actually joined in the fall of 85, and then I went in July of 86. Okay. So, well, I had a little different scenario when I was in. I I joined the National Guard. A couple of my buddies were in from, went to Elder High School in Cincinnati. And uh, when I went out to join, uh, the first sergeant took me into the company commander and we were talking and he said, well, how old are you? And I said, well, I'm 16. He said, top, take him outside and check his age. Walked outside. He said, you're 17. Okay. Went back in. I said, I'm 17. So joined the, <laughs> the National Guard uh, for three years. Then I went regular army for three years because that the time that I was in, uh, basically you had a six-year obligation and you were done. And three years reserve, or it could have been six months reserve, and then I think it was six years reserve. Yeah, it was the same Six months act, active, I meant. Yeah, yeah. It's, a eight, it's an eight-year uh, contract. I did four years active and four years reserve. Okay, so what meetings once a week? And no, actually, the way they work it is after you do your four, you're just on call. You're just yeah. yeah. Basically, they send you a letter and say come back. Yeah, a, a buddy of mine. Uh, I was stationed at Fort Campbell for a while before I went overseas, and a, a buddy of mine from New York, he was drafted, and uh, he said, "Why? Why would you join?" I said, "Well, why not?" And uh, he said. I got two years and I'm I'm done. I said, well, it, it really doesn't work that way. So about six months, I was still in. About six months after he got out, he sent me a letter from Germany. <laughs> <laughs> two more years. <laughs> so, okay, after after the service, where where were you stationed? I was stationed in Germany for two years, and then I was stationed in El Paso, Texas, oh, okay. Fort Bliss. What part of Germany? I was in Hanau. Just it's 
out just outside of Frankfurt. Yeah, I, I, I wanted to go to Germany, and I, I just didn't want to stay. I was an MP, and I didn't want to stay in the states. So, at when I was uh, when I was at Fort Campbell, the first sergeant and I got along real well. And I said, I've got to get, I'm going to out of here. I'm going to go someplace. So a buddy of mine that was in headquarters, and he said, the, the only thing that's open is Korea. So I said, send me to Korea. Well, orders came through. First sergeant looked at him, and he asked me, called me and asked me if I was out of my effing mind that this was a... <laughs> kind of the worst place in the world. He called it something else, but I, so he tore the orders up in front of me, and he said, "I'll get you good duty." So okay, canal zone. <laughs> so, two years canal zone. Play baseball three months a year for Army Atlantic. Played MP the rest of the time. Oh, so wow. <laughs> yeah, I, I grew up my. My grandfather was in World War II. My dad was in Vietnam, and my grandfather, he, he would tell me stories. None of them tell you the actual stuff that they seen or went through, but, you know, I'd, I remember riding to Rensselaer to pick my brother up from college, and my grandpa would tell me stories about he was a He was a POW during World War II, yeah. so he, he would tell me about, you know, the Germans... He said, they tell you, roust, roust in the morning, you know, you get up, and they march him around in different places. And he said, they tried to starve me to death. He said, I got captured in December and got liberated in April, and he said, I went from 200-pound man to 90 pounds. And he, he said that they had to, you know, share a loaf of bread yeah. that was like four inches long between seven guys and, you know, a piece of sausage that was the same. And he said, you split that with seven guys. He said, you you're lucky to get a taste yeah. of something, you know. Uh, so, well, he had a pretty rough. My dad, he doesn't really talk too much about it. The only thing he would tell me about was in the army. He was he he, he was good with his hands. He's a good woodworker, and he said they needed a a uh, latrine. He said everybody over there dysentery and stuff. Yeah. He'd, he'd tell you all the bad stories about you know guys going in their pants and stuff. So he uh, he said, yeah, we built this fancy outhouse he said it was a big eight holer he said man i was proud of that thing and he said i'll be damned if day after we got it all completed he said them son of a bitches blew it up <laughs> <laughs> well so but that's the only stories you get out of them yeah. and, and you know i understand you, you well my brother was stuff. a world war ii vet but on his way to germany that's when the armistice was uh taken signed and uh my brother Bill was in the Navy four years, Coast Guard four years, and 28 years in reserve. So uh, uh, my dad never served. I, I think physical. Well, he was a depression type guy. And, uh, but you know, the uh, I have an uncle who was a medic. At, you know, have you heard of the bridge at Remagen? Yeah. Yeah, I actually was, went there and saw that when I was in Germany. He was a medic there. Oh, wow. And uh, uh, when he was alive, he was uh, he was down at our house with a couple ants, and and we were talking, and he didn't eat much, but he was always, he always had a beer in his hand. 
And I said, hey, Art, how come you never, you never talk about World War II? He said, I still have nightmares. Don't want to talk about it. Yeah. And uh, the funny thing is, when he died, he was a bachelor at the time. He had a little, little apartment downtown Cincinnati. My one cousin went down there to clean up his mess, and he had a, he had a little storage box. And from the year that he was discharged, he had a Christmas card from every president. But he never donated a dime, because when I, I was gave some money to certain people in, in office, and I always got a Christmas card, but it was for, <laughs> you know, donation. Yeah. yeah. So uh, it's interesting, but uh, as they say, war is hell. And yeah. uh, uh, my, my brother was, Brother Bill, when he was in the Navy, he was on the aircraft carrier, carrier in the, uh, I think it was the Coral Sea in, in Korea. So. Yeah. It's uh, but anyway. So when when you got out, what was your first job? I moved back here to Batesville and I started working for Bill Swain, doing field tile work. So Bill oh. had his own little business, and okay, if you know where the coal yard is there next to the Ritter plant here yeah. in Batesville, yeah, he owned that and he yeah, would I didn't do field know tile for all the farmers. Most of our jobs were up in uh, Decatur County. So I worked for him for, he had an ad in the paper, and I called him, and he's like, yeah, come on over. We'll give you a shot. So so I worked for him for know, a couple months. Okay. And then, uh, well, as soon as I got back from the Army, my dad was like, hey, we need volunteers here at the fire department. So, okay, that was it still so an all-volunteer? Yeah, everybody was no. volunteer. So I got back on a Saturday, and Monday night was meeting night. So we started meeting night. And, and is that when Don Michael was Yeah, Don Michael was still yeah, a he's a good guy. Yeah. Yeah. And so, uh, yeah, my first meeting night, they uh, they went out behind St. Louis uh, School and set the ladder truck up, and the old 75-foot aerial, and they stick that thing straight up in the air, and my dad, everybody's going up and down, my dad walks over, he says, now don't embarrass me. He said, get your butt up there. <laughs> and I was like, seriously? <laughs> So yeah, I uh, I ended up climbing all the way up to the top, and they're like, "Go ahead now, lock in." And so I locked in, and Mike Gutzler, he was the operator of it. And next thing I know, this thing's spinning around in circles. And oh, really? And uh, so they stopped, and I thought, "Well, we're done. I'm gonna get up and get off of this thing." So I unlock, and all of a sudden, he he drops it down, scared the living daylights out of me. And wow! They're all down there rolling, laughing, and. <laughs> Yeah, real funny. So. Well, you know, the funny thing we had a uh, we had a home in Panama City Beach uh, that uh, after after my brother died down there, I we sold it because I didn't want to. If something happened to me, I didn't want my wife have to sell a home seven hundred some miles away. But my brother Bill, he said, you know, before we bought anything, he said. Uh, when you rent a condo to come down here, he says, don't go above the 12th floor. I said, why not? He says, that's as far as a fire ladder is going to reach. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I thought, well, 
why do you think there's going to be a fire? <laughs> so, but he said, to, trust me, he said, just don't do it. He said, no matter what the temptation is to, to go real high, 12 floors are below. So, <laughs> and I, I said, well, what, has there ever been a fire here? Yes. <laughs> so, and, and he also told me, he said, uh, if, what, he's, he was a scuba diver. And he said, I, uh, you know, I'll swim scuba with sharks. But he said, in the Gulf, I won't go out there and bub my ankles. And he showed me some pictures of a buddy that took, he took him in his helicopter. And there was a family sitting on a sandbar in the Gulf. And there were seven sharks right around that sandbar. Oh, my gosh. And... They didn't know it, but I mean, he got, and there's sharks all over. And he said that uh, the only time there was anything in the newspaper, if it, if it was a serious attack, he said if somebody got nipped or something, they wouldn't put it in the paper because they didn't want, they didn't want to scare tourists. Yeah. Wow. So, yeah. So, okay. So the volunteer fire department, how many trucks did you have at that time? Uh, let me see. We had three, four, five. We had uh, five, six, six fire trucks and two ambulances. And how many volunteers did you have? Uh, there was about 30, 35. Really? Yeah. I didn't know there were that many. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Uh, most of uh, any really major fires. Uh, um, yeah, we've had some major fires. Uh, Trying to think, Gilman store burnt down back in the nineties. Yes, yeah. that was a big one. Had the house explosion there on the corner of uh, Our, of uh, Boinger and Walnut. That yeah. was a big one. What was that? A gas leak? Yeah. 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 That's most of the explosion or gas leaks, right? Yeah, they had a, well, they had a, a pipe, I guess, in the in the roadway that was leaking. And they, I guess the water and gas were looking. They, they knew there was some kind of a leak, and they were trying to find it at the time. And that's when that exploded and, and blew up. And I have to laugh. My, my cousin was on the department with me at that time. And, hmm. and so we got on scene, and we pulled a hand line out, and we're spraying water on the backside of this structure or debris and uh, one of the captains of the department comes around and he's like hey put your face shields down we don't know if they got another leak over if this building's going to blow up and I put my shield down and I, he walked away and I turned around and I looked at my cousin and I said just exactly what is this face shield being down going to do if that building blows up I said is this so they can identify us or what and he just starts laughing <laughs> well so. The, how how many how many firefighters are uh, in Batesville right now? Right now we have about uh, fifteen volunteers. Fifteen volunteers. Yeah. How many paid? And we have eight paid. So twenty three, and then plus yourself. Or no, I'm, I'm part of that eight. Okay, paid. okay, so. When when did it stop being an all-volunteer fire department? Well, 
I started in 2001 as a full-time fire chief paid. Mm-hmm. I took over in 2000, but Bill Planet was the mayor, and he's like, hey, let's just have you feel out this position before we give you a full-time. Mm-hmm. And so then in, in June of uh, 2001, they hired me on as full-time. And so then I was, I was full-time until 2007. And that's when we ended up hiring a, another fireman. Because originally the plan was is that I was going to come on and then we were going to look at hiring more firemen. And they kind of put that off and put that off and wanted to... How did they budget that. for that? How did the city budget for that change? So uh, they just they just put the put it in the budget for myself. And mm-hmm. then, you know, at, like everything else, they just... They, find areas to take money and kind of yeah. move things around and says does so. the state support any of that um not really i the state supports the fire departments and this is all fire departments throughout the state of indiana through a uh, tax on fireworks and they actually pay for your training so if a fireman wants to or if anybody wants to become a fireman the training is free so you you just go to your de- you know your local department you sign up to be a volunteer and then uh, they have classes that they host every every year and you just send that person to that class and the cost of that class is free well you know a lot of my buddies in Cincinnati that I went to school with there were firemen and I don't know if it's still the same but uh, they have one 24-hour shift and then two days off. Is that how yeah, it works? Yeah, that's how ours is. Yeah, yeah. So that's kind of universal. Yeah, I mean, there's all kinds of different ways to do a schedule, but I'd say the majority do the 24-48s. And in Cincinnati, they had to take turns cooking. Does that still <laughs> go on? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> really? Yeah, yeah, I mean, our guys, they usually they'll, pick somebody to cook that day and it just depends sometimes it's some guys don't not so good say, at cooks. you got some really so, bad chefs yeah, there's a couple of them <laughs> so yeah we'll we'll go out now i got a couple shifts where they they cook every day really yeah they they cook all the time but our shift is like yeah we'll, we'll cook and we'll make different things and then there's times where it's like you know what let's just go grab something quick and yeah so uh, looking at so how many I know you guys still have two uh, emergency vehicles, right? EMT. Two ambulances, yes. Yeah. How many fire trucks do you have? We have uh, seven. You have seven. Yeah. The one that I was looking at, I, I mean, I just walked around and I'm seeing all these different outlets and such. What, what, what does the most expensive fire truck you have actually cost? So the aerial truck is the most expensive one, and and when we bought that back in two thousand five, it was three quarters of a million dollars. Is that right? And to replace it today would be about a million and a half. So it's doubled in price. Whoa! Yeah. And you, I, I mean, I. 2007, so basically you got a 16-year-old truck, and they all look brand new. Yeah. Yeah, we kind of pride ourselves on that. We've got some of the best equipment around, 
And, you know, that, that's not because of me. That's because the, the community and, you know, the city administration, they've been more than generous to help support us. And, you know, we've got some of the, the best equipment. We've got some of the most cutting edge equipment. You know, we've got equipment that some of the bigger cities don't even have. We've got a, they call it a Lucas device. It, it does uh, CPR on a, on a patient. Really? You just hook it up. It's battery operated, and you know if we've got a patient that's in cardiac arrest, we can put it on there, and it'll basically it'll bring you back to life. It, it does such good CPR. Wow. It it does better CPR than a than a human can yeah. do, and so it'll. What know, does something like that cost? <laughs> yeah, they're uh, they're very expensive. It's about uh, about twenty five thousand. Twenty five, yeah. yeah. Well worth it though. Oh yeah. yeah. Yeah, I think we've we've. We brought some people back yeah. with it, and we're we're fortunate that we've added paramedics in the last few years. We've got paramedics on on our staff, so we're able to administer life-saving drugs and different things. Yeah, like so that. your your so, paramedics are part of the paid. Yeah, uh, yeah. Well, in in our department, we have there's three different groups I would call it. So we have the volunteers, and then we have part-time people, and then we got full-time people. Okay. So when we, we started out, I I, uh, I was the first one full-time. Then we hired Brian Hardebeck. He was my assistant, and he helped with a lot of clerical stuff and, and maintenance and you name it, Brian does it. Mm-hmm. And, I, I mean, I couldn't I couldn't do what I do without him. He's, he's one of those guys that you find and you're like, oh, man, did I hit the jackpot. And I'm so lucky to have him. But, uh, yeah, he him and I were working together he came on in 2007 uh by 2010 it was just getting to be too much when it came to the life squad because we couldn't we couldn't keep volunteers yeah and the life squad is probably 10 times busier than than the fire oh i would imagine and so you know and the stuff that you do that you see it it's it's taxing especially you know when you ask a volunteer to do it and so, uh, you know, we were losing volunteers, and I, so I went to the mayor, and I told him, I said, we need to do something. So he's like, well, how about we do vol- part-time? So we hired part-time EMTs, mm-hmm. and from there, it's kind of grown, and so we've grown from part-time EMTs to, you know, we've got part-time EMT, part-time intermediate, which is the next level up, and then we've got part-time paramedics. And so we've been able to progress to a you know I, I think our goal was to get to paramedic because paramedics are able to do so much and yeah. you know it's almost like bringing the doctor to the scene with you and yeah. so you know as we've taken this on it was like you know what if we're gonna if we're gonna provide this service and it's gonna cost the citizens money why not get the best you can get and so that's why we've you know tried to strive with you know not only equipment but people and we've got really good we've got really good staff we've got really good people on on there that uh that care you know they care about the community they care about the equipment as you can see i mean when you come in there that equipment looks brand new and you know that equipment's old we've got a 1985 engine there and it looks like just as new (laughs) as the rest of them and that's because those guys care and they yeah. you know they wash them they wax them they they make sure the equipment's clean and you know and they practice with them and 
you know, well, make great. sure that that's all ready to go at a moment's notice. And, you know, that's a credit to them. Yeah. What I would think the EMTs are so vital because now with, you know, the aging population, I mean, people are living longer. And all you have to do is go look at CVS or Kroger and look at all the prescriptions. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that are yeah. lined up and the number of people that are working filling prescriptions. And um, so I imagine... Quite a few heart attacks. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, you see a little bit of everything. Um, you know, they, they talk about the drug problems oh, in, in yeah, the area and stuff, that. which, I mean, that kind of comes and goes. We there for a while, it was constant, and now you still see it, but it's not as prevalent. Yeah, uh, yeah heart attacks, that, that's common. Uh, diabetes, cancer, all those kind of things. And, yeah. And, and, a lot of our calls are for the elderly. A lot of, a lot of falls. Oh. Um, that was something that years ago you never got called for. Was yeah. somebody falling? Now we're 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 called every day for lift assist. Somebody fell, needs help getting up. Yeah, yeah. And I don't well, I don't know if that's because of our society's changed. You know, you don't have anybody in the home to help them get up, or because everybody's working trying to make ends meet, or or what. But I know. Like when my mom and dad did this, because, you know, I I grew up with this. Isn't I I grew up I was a I was a fire department brat. You know, yeah. I, Herman Artmeyer was a chief when I was really little, and Donnie Weigel was the assistant chief. Yeah. He'd always harass me and everything. <laughs> and then uh, Donnie took over as chief, and you know they had all the all those guys, and we always my dad would take us up there and. We'd go play out on the fire trucks. I'm surprised that Donnie allowed us to do that after some of the stuff we did. I mean, I'm, I imagine that those firemen came up. Why is the battery switch still on in this truck? Why is the battery dead? It's because yeah. it's, it's playing in there. But, but uh, <coughs> you know, it, we grew up with that. And and, and that, that really struck my interest in the department. And, you know, and I think that's one thing that I always thought, you know, if I get a chance, I want to be a fireman. And, yeah. Well, you know. I think the falling thing, and for, I'll just give you a for instance. My wife would kill me, but maybe she won't listen to this. But uh, she's a cancer survivor. She had, uh, she's five or five and a half, six years cancer free. But chemo does bad things. Oh, yeah. And she's got neuropathy in both legs. She also has macular degeneration. So the balance is a problem. So she'll use a walker around the house, and when we go out, she's more comfortable. If it's a short distance, she just uses my arm, and it's no problem. But uh, and, and she's probably, I don't know, 135, 140 pounds. Or, no, no, not much. But she tripped and fell in the house one day. Now, I've got two sons and their family have homes next to us. Matt, Matt's next to me. Larry's on the far side. But when they're... And I mean, I work out. I'm, I'm st still fairly strong. But when you've got dead weight on the floor oh, yeah. and you're trying to help her up, and 
you're worried about maybe her brittle bones or something. When she fell, I just called, uh, I called Larry. He came over, I said, you grab one, I'll grab the other. And we left her up at both. And she was okay, fortunately she didn't get hurt. But, uh, and if you have older people that are really heavy, uh, we have some friends that both of them have fell. They're both in a nursing home now. And they hit a, they, several times, they had a call. Yeah. They have help because they, they, they're, they're both, I mean, they should have had a portable crane or something. <laughs> I mean, you know what I'm saying? Some, some kind of a yeah. lift to help them because they're both were, were very big people. And you just can't haul that dead weight without possibly doing damage without another person. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. but uh, I, I uh, as you watch people age, I mean, I, I don't know what the average lifespan is now, but uh, I'll be 85 in January, and about 60% of my high school class is dead. Some are in homes, you know, dementia and all the others. And we don't know where 75 people are, so you figure that 75, uh, maybe 40 of them are dead too. So, but it, it just keeps going on, a circle of life. So, yeah. and uh, I, you know, when I was young, I thought, hell, if I make it to 25, I'm, I'll feel good about it. And now, <laughs> here I'm gonna be 85. <laughs> so, so, the. Um, do you, if there's a major fire like in Sunman, Spatesville help out? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. What, how far of a radius do you go? If something... I mean, we we go wherever they call us. Really? Yeah, yeah, we've, we've gone, we were, we were in Milan when the Hog Rock Cafe burnt down the, a couple yeah. of years ago. Yeah. We, we went to Greendale... That's, that's been, a haul. That's been a while. But yeah. they had that recycle center that burned. Yeah. They called us to come down there really? and help them. How come? So, wouldn't it be closer if they got somebody from Cincinnati? Well, they had all those departments there. It was just that big of a wow. big of a fire. So, so yeah. how many trucks did you send down? We just sent the one ladder just truck. One. That's what they requested. So oh, we, okay. We sent that down. Wow. But, yeah, we, we've gone to Greensburg and assisted them on fires and different things like that. So, I mean, we've called Greensburg to come help us, and we've had other departments come and help us too, so. Well, now, Greensburg's, uh, what, about 12,000 people? Uh, yeah, I think so. So, do they have a, do they have a bigger fire department? Or? Uh, well, I don't know if it's bigger, but they have, theirs is fully paid. Mm -hmm. And they have about, 30 some guys that are oh, full wow. time. Wow. Yeah. So <clears throat> on when when you have purchased equipment in the past <clears throat> is that just city funded or is there grants involved in that? Uh, well when we did the ladder truck we got a grant from the federal government. Okay. They have a what they call a AFG grant. It's something that was started back in I don't know right after 9/11. And they, they still do it today. It's not as 
big as it was, of course, you know, government, yeah. they're always taking money. They put big money and then you take it away. So, yeah. so uh, yeah, it's not as big, but, but yeah, we, we applied for it and we were successful. It's, it's a pretty competitive grant, so it's, it's hard to get that. But, you know, we did a campaign in town for, to raise money to replace that truck because it, it was the most expensive truck in our fleet. And, uh, you know, we, we, we gathered up, I think it was almost a quarter million dollars really? just from fundraising and, and citizen donating and stuff like that. That's great. That's good. You, you know, because I, I often wonder, I mean, you got Hill and Brand Foundation, you got all these different foundations, and uh, I, I don't know, if, didn't know if the, anything city got involved in that. Yeah, or? And, and we apply for grants through Hill and Brands mm -hmm. and through Rising Sun and, and different groups like that um, but again it's so competitive you got everybody asking for money and you know there's so many other things that you know I, you're competing against that and I'm, I'm glad I don't sit on these grant boards because I'd be like well you get a dollar you get a dollar you get, you know well, it's it's just hard to say no because everybody has a need and that you know I would imagine it's it's tough for them to say well we can't help you this time you know well, you know, years ago, I was a vice president of the hospital board for five years, and we hit an elevator. Now, this goes, this goes back into the late 70s, early 80s. And Mike Hansen and Steve Glazer always got stuck in an elevator going up to their office. So George Brink Miller was president, and we were having lunch, and I said, uh, Hey George, we we have to replace that elevator, aren't we? Yeah, I said it's sixty grand, and back there that was a lot of money. So I said, well, go to Hill and Brand Foundation. He said, no, I can't do that. We got the money. I said, we're saving for a roof. He said, you we don't need a roof. I said, eventually you're going to need a roof. <laughs> so I said, what do you got to lose? I said, just go over, tell them what you need and see what they say. And I guess, you know, he was a VP at Hill Brand. I guess he felt uneasy about it. He said, okay, I'll try it. 10 minutes in, he walked out with a check with 60, 000, for $60,000. So it doesn't work that way any longer. No, it doesn't. <laughs> but, but- uh, Those are the good old days. Oh, yeah, I mean, well. You knew the right people to talk to, and you just went and talked to them. And they were like, "Well, yeah, we can do that." Yeah, we can do that. You know, because yeah. you know, I mean, that that I, I don't know what the Hill and Brand Foundation is worth now, but at that time, it was yeah. a pretty big deal. So, it's, oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, like I say, they've they've helped us out enormously. I mean, you know, they've they've helped with the remodel of that building several times. They've they've got a hand in every piece of equipment we've got. Really? In one way or another. Wow. I mean, there's, there's grant money there from them. So, you know, it, they're a big, big asset to the city. So if you, if you put a guesstimate total on the trucks and the ambulances, how much money do you think is involved there? Oh, man. I don't know how many. That's quite a few millions right there. Yeah, time. I was going to say it was three or four million. Oh, easy. Easy. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, because it's not just the uh, the truck itself, but all the equipment that you put on it. 
you know, I would, I would estimate that each truck is almost close to a million. Really? Just with all the equipment that you put yeah. on. Because the equipment nowadays is not cheap. I mean, it's, it's gotten, some of the stuff has gotten cheaper. You know, when we first uh, looked at getting a thermal imaging camera, that was a big, big thing. Everybody's like, oh, yeah, you got to have one of those. Got to have one. So, so we went out and priced them, and they were like $25,000. It's like, oh, man. So, so we went and purchased one. Well, you know, you only had one. Well, we've got one on every truck as wow. far as engines go. And, uh, yeah, they're five, about five grand a piece. So the prices came down, but it, you know, it was technology, you know, yeah. and that's, that's the thing at that time. And, and back in the day, there was this great big, huge, heavy thing that you carried around. Now they're just little pocket things. You just one hand you can carry it around. And so, so yeah, I thought things change and, you know, some things get cheaper, but them, some things they get a lot more expensive. Yeah. Well, you know, I don't know if you remember, but several years ago, I had to stop by and talk to you because uh, my insurance company didn't want to insure me because uh, I had a pond, uh, I don't know, maybe acre and a quarter, acre and a half, 17 foot deep at the deep end. I've got a 40,000 gallon swimming pool in the back and I have Napoleon water, but they didn't write that on on a renewal. And I mean, it really was going to take a big jump in price. So I, I had to take a photo of it, and and I forget how many yards it was supposed to be from a fire hydrant to the house, which I, I had that no problem with that. But at the time, I, I I asked you why that was so important. And he said, I don't know, because we probably use your pond. Because he said, it's, what, we don't want to drag the hose that far. Well, in the hydrant, you're yeah. not going to get anything out of that hydrant. Yeah, it's it's just, Napoleon water. They got a maybe a four-inch line. Yeah, yeah, it's small. Yeah, you're not going to get any water out of it. <laughs> so, yeah. so, but we'll, anyway, we'll pull the hydrant out of the ground before we get what it we need. It would have been so. $2,000 difference a year oh, on my wow. insurance yeah. premium without yeah. that. Well, I saw last night on the news where a lot of insurance companies are trying to get out of the homeowners yeah. because of all the devastating weather that we've had, you know, the, the well, wildfires and the tornadoes. Some have already pulled out of Florida. So, yeah, they said it's really hard for people yeah. to get homeowner's insurance yeah when uh, okay if you have a fire in the country mm-hmm. no pond no no uh, how much water can you actually carry so we have and our department is kind of split so we have a city department mm-hmm. which is you know the city purchases those those trucks and that equipment and then we have a a community fire association which i believe you're a member of yes and so anybody outside the city limits and we ask them to join that group and they pay 25 dollars a year to be a member and that 25 dollars is kind of your insurance policy and that helps to pay for equipment and so they own three trucks well four they own a mini pumper that we bought here recently so they pay for the upkeep and all that for that truck. And so they have an agreement with the city that 
the city will house it, fuel it, and pay the insurance on it. And so if there's a fire in the city limits, that truck will respond. But if there's a fire in the country, we have to cut that loose, and it takes a group of guys, and they go out, out in the country. So how, how so, many gallons of water? Does so the, the truck itself carries 1,000 gallons of water. And then the we have a, a new tanker, and it carries 1,800 gallons of water. Okay. And then that's when we call mutual aid. So like here, we would call Napoleon, and they would bring... They have a truck that hauls water. They would bring it. We would probably call Morris. Morris but you, here you wouldn't really need it because of the bomb. Right, yeah. right. Yeah. But if, if there's a place that doesn't have, yeah. you know, a water source oh, nearby. Oh, there's a lot. There's a lot yeah, of them. We, we're the bringing country. water with us, yeah. and we're, we're calling other departments. And that's kind of the protocol that if you have a structure fire outside of the city limits, you automatically call those departments that are closer. Okay. And you ask them to bring their water to assist you. So when you, when your dispatcher gets a call that there's a fire, do they, and if it's a country address, do they ask if they have a water source? Uh, they, well, actually with 911, they have a map, mapping system. So when you call in, it'll bring up the address and then they can look on a map. They have a digital map, and it'll bring okay, up the so address like, on the map. Okay, so like Google Maps, it mm -hmm. just shows down. And like Google Maps here shows the pond. Yeah. 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 So. so they automatically know that where you're at. And a lot of times they leave it up to us because we're going to be responding. But we make sure that we just we have those things coming. So you, you have a pond, but you're going to automatically be getting Napoleon and, and Morris fire coming with, mm -hmm. with tankers just because that's our protocol. And, you know, if we use their water or your water, it does, you know, one way or another, we're going to be showing up with manpower and equipment yeah. to put this thing out. So. Do, do you have any children that are going to be in the fire? My son, my oldest son, he was on the department for a few years and he had some health issues and stuff. So yeah. he stepped away, but, but yeah, I, I did have. Yeah. I was going to say, that's a buddy of mine I went to high school with. He was a captain on a Cincinnati police force. I, I told uh, Stan this the other day. And uh, three, of the, three of his boys are Cincinnati Police Department. His one daughter is police chief. Wow. <laughs> I mean, and it just, uh, it, it, it seems like, like, Two of my sons, they're in the in the business, motorcycle business now, and been in it for years. It just seems like if you have multiple children, somebody is going to do something with the old man. To, I think yeah, it usually works that way. Even if it's uh, if it's in sales or if it's in manufacturing, uh, you know, I don't know how many. Generations of people worked at Hill Rom or Batesville Casket over the years. Oh yeah, I mean, it's just uh, yeah. it's just something you do, and and you know living in a small community versus a big city, it's just great because oh, yeah. 40, 45 miles to downtown Cincinnati, about sixty miles to Indy. I mean, you know, best of both worlds. Except yeah. I hate driving. Got two kids that live in Indy, but with those roundabouts and all that crazy traffic, 
you know, I mean, Cincinnati's bad enough. Indianapolis is a nightmare. I, I yeah. think it is. So, uh, but so, uh, how how long do you think you're gonna stay chief? One 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 is you looking at a retirement time. Yeah, everybody keeps asking me that. That's the big mystery. I don't know. I mean, I still enjoy it. I I love what I do. Yeah. I, I mean, I. I'm one of those guys that I was fortunate enough to to get this position. Uh, I say I, I worked at Helen Brands for 11 years. Okay. Because I, I worked for Bill Swain for about two months, and then Donnie Weigel, he was, he says, hey, I'll, I'll get you on at the Helen Brands. I'll get you on there. I'll, so he pulled some strings, and next thing I know, I'm going for an interview at Hill Rom and got me a job in, in the factory there. And so. Yeah. It's- but, uh, yeah, we... I worked there for 11 years, and then my dad was fire chief for for three years after Donnie retired. And my dad's like, with me working on, because he worked for Hillrom as conventions and stuff. They they went out and set up displays and things for mm-hmm. their conventions, and so he'd be gone for you know sometimes a week at a time. It just depended. So uh, he said, you know, this is kind of hard for somebody to do volunteer. So he talked to Bill Planup and. Bill's like, all right. So he, you know, he told him, he said, you need to look at putting somebody here full time. And so Bill, Bill took that. And so they, uh, they put a thing out and asked for applicants. And my dad's like, you ought to apply. And I think I was the only one that applied. Mm -hmm. I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. (laughs) I I presume 401k or pension plan Mm -hmm. and all the, oh yeah full-time is do you have to be like I I think most I'm not sure about the fire departments most police departments you have to be so many years and then yeah we're under the same same uh, retirement system as the police department okay so you max out at a certain yeah it's a state pension fund so 20 years you can retire you're eligible to retire after 20 years that's when you're invested and then you can max out your retirement at, I think it's like 30, 32 years. 32 years. Yeah. yeah. So after 20, they they just add yeah. a percentage to it. And that's like, what like you get army. when you retire. Yeah. So, so yeah. yeah. So, I'm, I mean, I'm in my 22nd year. Oh, so you got a long ways to go. Yeah. 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 I mean, uh there's some days that it's like, hey, you know what? I, I don't think I'm gonna come in tomorrow. <laughs> but, <laughs> but I, I, you know, like I said, I, I was fortunate enough to get this position. I really love what I do. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm one of those guys that I get up in the morning and I'm like, I gotta go do this. I gotta do that. Yeah. And I'm, I'm happy to do it. I, I enjoy. I thoroughly enjoy what I do. Do, do they ever? Uh, any of the schools ever have class trips to the fire department? Oh yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah, we invite them over all the time. That's and, great. You know, they come, we do fire prevention talks, and you know the schools are all, can, can we come over and do a tour? Well, yeah, of course. You know, We love to have them come over and do tours, and we get a lot of the daycares and different things like that, the preschools, you know, the younger kids. Yeah. And we get them to come, and we go do, uh, we did career days and different things like that at the high school. And we'll go do, uh, you know, we'll do fire drills at the school. We'll go out and pull the alarms and get well, to see the kids. It's always it's always good to yeah. get out and 
do those type of things. What's What's interesting, uh, uh, I had I had Principal Batesville High School on, and we talked about careers and everything, and he said about seventy uh, percent is college prep. And he said, and the rest are in different careers, I, which I think is a great balance. In fact, it might be a little bit high for my liking for college prep because uh, the debt that these kids acquire, oh, if, yeah. if they're not taking a specialized course that they know they're going to make some money right away, it's crazy. Yeah, my, my son went to college four years, wanted to be a pilot. Took all the classes. He's working construction in Cincinnati now. Yeah. And he's paying that debt. And, you know, it. it's, it's just, it's crazy. I mean, the, the things that, you know, everybody, oh, you got to have a college degree. You know, there's there's so many other opportunities out there. Yeah. And, and I'm not against people getting a college degree. But I think sometimes you got to let those those kids mature a little bit and decide what they want. Like I said, I, I went into the military. I, I learned how to operate heavy equipment. I wanted to, I wanted to drive a bulldozer, you know, and, and dig holes for a living, you mm -hmm. know? And when I got out of the army, I was like, you know, I don't really care for that. Yeah. I was like, you know, I enjoyed it, but am I going to be able to make a living at it? Yeah. Nah. I mean, you got, you got enough people in this community that, that do that kind of work. Well, and so, for me to get into it, it was going to be very expensive. Yeah. And, and well, I didn't want to be a cop either when I got yeah. out service. You know, and I think the the part that's frustrating for me is that the salaries and the pay, you know, I think a lot of people look at that. The kids look at that. Mm -hmm. You know, well, how much am I going to make? And you tell them, hey, you come be a fireman. Well, how much am I going to make? Well, you're gonna, you ain't going to get rich being a fireman. Yeah, yeah. You know, you're not going to be rich being a police officer. You know, but there's rewards there other than pay. Yeah. And I don't think that the younger generation looks at that. You know, they're they're looking at that quick reward. They want that money. You know, they want the time off. They they they're not looking at hey, I want I, I want to work hard and get it get the reward in my heart that you know I help somebody. Well, my my one daughter uh, Donna is an HR director for like 300 CPAs. Uh, firm it was just acquired and I mean she's got a great job but kids out of college once they pass their boards and they're a certified public accountant they have no experience don't know if they what their work ethic is or anything if you don't pay what they want somebody else is going to buy there's, there's a shortage and with this complicated tax system that we have and I for the life of me I still don't see why we don't have a flat tax I mean it's just then everybody's got some skin in the game yeah but uh, it, it's it, it's a the desires and the wants and everybody wants it right now you know they oh, yeah. they want to they want, they want to get out of college and they, they want to get a brand new car. They want to, although it might be smart because some of the used cars, <laughs> the, the prices that they're getting, oh, yeah. you know, buy, buy a little new one and, and work up to it. But uh, 
I, I, I don't I don't understand the mentality of the the kids and uh, but I think in Batesville between the high school and the academy, I think you got some pretty good kids there. Oh, yeah. got good education system, it's none of this woke crap and yeah. you know, it's uh, yeah. uh, I, I think I think there's still values I, I also think uh, when, when my wife and I got married, once she got pregnant, her, her work days were over. All my friends, there was a one-income family. Today, everybody's two-income. Oh, yeah. And you have to be. But the problem is a lot of the kids are spoiled because the parents will dole out money instead of saying, if you want to spend the money, go get a job. Oh, yeah. And I, I, I mean, whether you're, they don't want to flip hamburgers, they don't want to be a waitress or a waiter. Uh, they definitely don't want to work for, on a farm. That's <laughs> <laughs> farmers have all these multi-million dollar equipments, you know. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's, uh, uh, but but I, I guess it'll all, It'll all work out eventually, but yeah. it's kind of scary when you think of, um, especially in the big cities, some of the ideas that these kids have, and I'm thinking, could they eventually be that? Because the leadership in Washington, it's both parties. I mean, it's pawns gone. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I just say, yeah, me. it's it's challenging when you look on TV and. You see who's running for president and who our president is, and you're like, there's how many people in this world? How many people in this country? And that's the best we can do? Yeah, it's awful. It's it's a shame. And, and, you know, the the thing is, it's all power grab. If they they ever, if a, a president was in there and ever said, I'll tell you what, I'm directing IRS to investigate every congressman, every House and senator, there's finances. You'd have so many mass resignations that, yeah. I, I mean, they're all corrupt. I mean, not all, but most of them are. Yeah, you, know, they, yeah, you look back at what our founding fathers, you know, they said, oh. you're gonna be elected for the people, by the people. Well, yeah. you know, you're elected by the people, but you ain't sure, you sure ain't for them. No, no. Uh, it's, and, it's, again, it's what, what can I put in my pocket? Yeah. I mean, I don't understand how a politician gets elected to office with a salary of, you know, it, it's over 100000 a year. About 170 or so. Yeah, and they're millionaires. Oh, yeah. And, and when how, they how leave, become they're a millionaire? Multi, multi-millionaires. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, uh, if they ever investigate, well... Schumer has been caught in the act several times, and he's just got a reprimand, nothing else. Uh, there are, I forget what, I, th- I think it was 30% of Congress um, have, have uh, income tax problems. I mean, serious problems that they haven't paid. And... Over 30% have been maybe not 
convicted but charged of some type of, whether it's drunken driving, uh, IRSing, or uh, some kind of felony assault against a partner. Uh, a lot of a lot of that goes on. It's all swept under the rug, and yeah. uh, you know that. Well, it's and, just and, like you. You can't figure out whose cocaine's in the White House. It's like, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But you can figure out who all these rioters were in January 6th. <laughs> yeah. But you can't figure out whose cocaine yeah, it is. Yeah. Come on. I'm, yeah. I'm not even there, and I can probably tell you who yeah. it is. Oh, uh, well. And, you know, and and it's a shame. I don't, I don't like to talk politics, but, you know, Biden was always stupid. And, and he was always kind of corrupt. But now he's taking it to a new level. And... And, and plus, you know, he's got dementia. I mean, he's somebody's pulling his strings, and he's an embarrassment to the world. Yeah. And they even, uh, I talked to one of my granddaughters, and she said uh, a lot of her friends voted for Biden because her mom and dad said we're, well, we're Democrats. Well. You know, whatever you are, you, you don't vote for a vegetable. I mean, it's just crazy. Yeah. And, and he's he's done more to hurt. I mean, just if we wouldn't have had this inflation if he hadn't stopped the pipeline, because yeah. oil, oil takes care of everything. We went from being independent to a buyer, buying yeah. from people who hate us, the Arabs and the Venezuelans and just it's just stupid yeah so but anyway we're we're pushing an r and uh any words of wisdom for uh before we sign off no I, have, have you those are things i don't have too much of <laughs> well, how, uh, how about any of the any of the high school kids uh have they shown any interest in pursuing a do you know about being a fireman or a policeman? I've, I've had, you know, I had one kid that came in a year or so ago and was really interested. I get, they do the mentor program where kids come yeah. from school. So basically they shadow you. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, out of that program, I've gotten one kid. Most of the time the kids show up and it's like, eh. <laughs> I'm just here to pass my time, you know. Yeah, yeah. And don't want to climb know. that seventy-five foot ladder. Yeah. <laughs> so, so yeah, I mean, they're again. It's I think it's just the way our society is. They're looking for the money, and you're definitely not going to get rich doing this job. It, yeah. It's really changed since 2001. You know, after the the attacks on the tower, and everybody's yeah. like, "Oh, firemen, firemen, firemen," and you had everybody flooding. You know the the fire departments with applications yeah. wanting to be firemen or policemen, and and now you put out a a call for or for full time applicants, and you get one or two. Yeah, and it's a big big drop, and it's everywhere. I mean, yeah. it's not just Batesville. That's oh, everywhere. it's all probably in the city worse. Because oh yeah, of... I, I talked with uh, Shelbyville's fire chief, and he said, "Oh, we used to get two three hundred applicants." He said, well, "We're lucky if we get 20. Yeah. And I'm like, you know, it's just the way society changes. And, you know, they always say, never forget. Well, they, they forget pretty quick. That's yeah. just human nature. Yeah, yeah. 
Well, anyway, let's let's wrap things up here. And Todd, it's been fun. I'm really happy that you joined me on this podcast. And let's sign out with the national anthem. And I want to thank everybody for listening. Uh, God bless you. God bless the United States of America. And I will talk to you on the next podcast.